Welcome to SAS Open Mic. I'm Annie Musgrove. This week, Ed spoke with Jameson Morris. When Jameson set out to start his first subscription box business, called Conscious Box, he did it purely out of passion for the product and because the subscription model felt right. Some years later, he's turned himself into a pioneer of the subscription box economy, launching various box businesses and working with CrateJoy, the go-to vendor for thousands of subscription box companies around the world. Now he reaps the benefits of an optimized recurring revenue-based lifestyle business. His latest is Yogi Surprise, a monthly box catering to yogi culture. During Ed's chat with Jameson, they discussed the importance of user experience and retention, as well as the new developments in the subscription box space that are allowing entrepreneurs to outsource or automate much of their business. If you enjoy SAS Open Mic, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud to get the next episode straight to your inbox. But for now, here's Ed talking with Jameson Morris of Yogi Surprise. So uh, one thing that I'm kind of excited to, to chat about and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you uh, deal in not in software, but actual uh, physical subscription products. And uh, I was wondering, uh, maybe just to, to give people a, a better picture of what you do, I was wondering if you could just describe uh, how you would describe yourself to somebody else if, if they ask you what you do. Sure. Yeah. Um well, basically, at this point in my career, uh, I would describe myself as a serial subscription uh, or subscription box entrepreneur. Um, you know, it's basically all I've been doing over the last four or five years. Um, I like to say I haven't had I haven't had a month in five years um, that didn't have a uh, a subscription box product um, being shipped out. So it's just <laughs> nice. been yeah. Um, and so I've started several subscription boxes. Um, uh, over the past several years, um, I, I held a role at CrateJoy, um, which is a, a platform for subscription boxes for a while. And then I, I actually ended up leaving to go back and focus on another subscription box business. So um, mm. it's basically what I've been working on. <laughs> cool. How, uh, how did you, like, why subscription boxes? Is, is there something that drove you to that? Was it a conscious decision in the first place or did it just kind of happen? Uh, it, so it just, it just happened. Um, you know, the, my first subscription business conscious box, um, which started in 2011, um, when we launched, there was no one else doing it besides, uh, Birchbox had launched their sort of beta at the same time. And so when we came up with the idea to do a subscription sampling service for, uh, natural products, um, we just liked the idea of, of sort of this experience that we're sending to people um, and packaging it up, packaging it up in this you know cute little box and presentation, um, we weren't thinking of any of like sort of the other uh, business mechanics that make the model cool. Like we weren't thinking mm -hmm. about you know how recurring revenue is a great thing to have and the you know the predictability that you can have in these types of businesses. Like 
we didn't think about any of those other cool benefits to the business model. We just, you know, were enamored by the idea of sending this cool experience to people. Okay, so it was really like a product first thing um, to, to to put out something that drives like continual value for for customers. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now people going into it and starting their own subscription box business, you know, they they see or and are, and are hyper aware of some of the other great be- uh, benefits of the model, but for us, we weren't even aware of those things. We just thought it was cool to send, a, you know, a box of cool stuff and, you know, a cool experience to people. Huh. That's interesting. So I, I guess when, when you first got started, uh, w- was it ConsciousBox that was your first subscription business? Yep. Yeah, that was our, our very first one. Okay. I guess things were a bit different then um, to, to how they are now. And, and there's been a lot of growth in that space. Uh, how do you see the, the like subscription box space now? Is, is, there, is there room to, to, for, for new business there? And are people generating kind of uh, innovative products and ideas still? Totally. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that there's probably um, around 2,000 um, subscription boxes that exist. And by a subscription box, I usually am referring to um, you know, a consumer-oriented product um, and something that is physical and shipped to the customer's house on a recurring basis, usually uh, usually month to month. Um, yeah, a lot of people ask me, you know, you know, is is this a bubble? Is it saturated? Like, should I still get into the space? And mm. you know, I say, uh, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's a bubble. Um, mm. You know, it's it's a. I think we're going to see less and less of the big um, venture bets that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're going to see more uh, sort of creators and artisans taking a product that, that they make or something that they're passionate about uh, and creating a really quality niche um, subscription business. And I think there's plenty of room for that. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I think, I think it's going to get more and more niche. Um, we're going to get smaller, more unique niches um, mm-hmm. taking advantage of the model. But um, in general, I just think it's a superior form of e-commerce. Mm. Is it something that's pretty accessible for like first time founders or young entrepreneurs to get into as, as maybe like a first venture. So maybe the, the better question here is like, how, how do I go about starting a subscription box, uh, in, in today's world? Totally. So, so yeah, now more than ever before it, I think it, it is approachable for sort of a first time founder or, um, someone starting their first business. Um, you know, there's a lot of great tools out there that make it easy. Um, you know, you've got Chart Mogul, which gives you total transparency um, into the metrics of your business. But um, you know, even platforms like uh, like CreateJoy, who's done a lot of work making the model um, really approachable and sort of an all-in-one Shopify-style platform mm. that gives you all the pieces in one place to do it. Um, and you have more resources, and you have people like me that are are blogging about best practices, and you've got you know subscription school that are talking about best practices. So. Um, it's a lot more approachable because one of the the biggest misconceptions is that um, it's a it's an easy thing to start. Like on the surface, it mm-hmm. seems it seems pretty simple, right? Like you just you get a box of products and you send them to people and you rebuild them every month. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, moving pieces people aren't aware of, um, a lot of logistical challenges, um, timing. Um, so there's a lot that you can get wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now more than ever before, there's a lot of tools and resources out there. Um, and once you kind of nail your first one, it becomes a lot easier to do. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm assuming like any subscription uh, product, it's it's relatively measurable, and and there are metrics you can use to to really kind of um, make the whole thing, well, yeah, much more measurable than than something that's a non-subscription based uh, product. I, I guess like you mentioned that from the beginning, you guys weren't really um, that wasn't really like the the primary thing. You just wanted to create a a great product and a great experience. Do you use a lot of uh, metrics now? If so, if so, what's important to you? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like with our first our first business, like we weren't even aware of the concept of you know churn and retention and its its relationship mm-hmm. to um, you know the the product and customer service and um, you know. And so now I I measure everything and I keep a very close eye on. Um, you know our monthly retention, but you know also we're measure, we're measuring net promoter score um, every month. Um, you know we're always sending out customer satisfaction surveys. So um, you know those are those are sort of some of the key things um, to look at for just you know making sure that your business is healthy and going in a sustainable direction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for a subscription business, um, everything really you know because it's so consumer oriented too. Everything really revolves around. That that the product and the experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if you want to, if if we want to go and start talking about sort of common mistakes, um, oh yeah, people, definitely that people <laughs> make um, with these businesses, it's it's a uh, it's slacking on the on the product, right? A okay. lot of people, um, a lot of people will start these things with the mentality that like, all right, I got to get it up, I got to get it launched, you know, let's let's open the doors and let people start buying, right? But mm-hmm. what they do is they. They try to validate their businesses in the wrong way, where they they sort of rush to launch, um, mm. and they don't spend time doing nice custom packaging. They don't focus on the experience. Um, they don't invest in some of those really important um, product decisions um, that will literally drive the business and make or break its success. Right. So mm. you get people a lot of times saying things like, "You know, I want to launch and get like my first two hundred customers, and then you know, once I have some cash, then." You know, then I'll go and invest in and in doing nice custom packaging and working on that experience. But mm. it's a totally backwards approach that a lot of people take. Um, and you really have to make sure that you, you know, forget about technology, forget about all the different apps you're going to use. Like, focus all your efforts on that product and that experience, and making sure that you've you've got a great niche. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, and then worry about the rest. Mm. I guess one of the parallels there with uh, like software subscription is uh, the the great thing about SaaS is you can uh, very much more easily uh, win a customer and then focus on just delivering, focus on retention, delivering that ongoing value. And I'm assuming that's um, very similar for a subscription box product. Is there anything there that just makes things more tricky because it's for example, a physical uh, product that you're dealing with, I guess you have logistics involved, and you need to source. Uh, you need to source products for that, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, sort of a minimum viable product, you know, doesn't necessarily exist with consumer subscription, right? Mm. Like, if you're building a, you know, a great, you know, sort of enterprise software solution, you know, for with a B two B emphasis, you know, and you have your minimum viable product, um, you know, and you you get a customer um, who you're solving some major problems for them, but you know, you're still at a um, you know sort of immature age with your with your software, right? So mm. um, they're willing to stick around and be patient and 
Um, but with cons- consumers are are extremely finicky. They're they're they can put their money in so many different places. Um, you know, they're not they're they're not going to be patient. They're not going to you know hold on until you do you know put together a better experience. That first impression with consumers is extremely important. And mm. you know, when you launch, you need to be um, your product has to be totally dialed. Mm. Uh, so you, you mentioned that people are moving more into much more kind of niche uh, spaces and, and communities for subscription boxes. How how would you go about uh, finding that niche and 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 kind of um, finding a space where that, that's suitable for a subscription box product? Yeah. So it, so I guess. I can sort of highlight my path with that, um, mm. where I I kind of got lucky because yeah, I've started several subscription businesses at this point. Um, um, you know, my my sort of three main ones have all been successful, um, and I, I got I got really lucky because my my thought process was always about it, it. Always started with like, what do I what do I like? What things am I passionate about? Mm. Um, and then that sort of led into how do I monetize this, right? Okay. Um, whereas you get a lot of people um, who, who who have an opposite approach, where they're like, "Where is the opportunity? What's the business that I can start?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing I recommend is is really think about what what you like. Think about what niches, what products, what what things you have knowledge about, um, and and go from there when trying to determine your niche. Right with mm-hmm. Yogi Surprise, my most recent subscription, um, you know, yoga is something that I actively practice. Um, I, I really I like yoga consumer products. You know, I I've always sort of been a fan of that category. Um, mm. And I think in the past I hadn't done a yoga subscription because I think in the back of my mind I maybe thought that that was that was too niche. Um, you okay. know, I was I was totally wrong. So um, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned um, is you know think of a category and then think of an even you know sort of tighter niche or mm. tighter community within that category mm. and go there because sort of you know my first business conscious box was all about like all natural products the entire sort of healthy living natural product industry um and uh, and sort of yoga is still kind of within that but it's i think it's it's a it's a tighter niche and there's there's its own community and culture around that niche mm. yeah so one thing with software is you can you can very easily uh, okay maybe not easily but there are ways to validate your product idea um, before you launch it. it does mm-hmm. that also exist with 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 this world? Yes. So the, yeah, there are great ways to validate this business. Um, you know, and not be not ever be out of pocket. You can totally bootstrap these businesses. Um, the thing the the important thing though is that you can't validate them. Um, you can't validate them with a with the product, right? Mm-hmm. Like with SaaS businesses, you can build a minimum viable product and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, validate the business to see what interest is like, um, right? But with with a subscription business, you can't use the the product. Um, there's a teaser process that I really like going to, where you can sort of tease consumers about the concept um, and what you're planning on building and what you're going to launch and collect interest that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sort of create sort of mock-ups and and concepts of what the product is going to be without ever building it. Um, you know, then you know start start taking pre-orders. You know, even Kickstarter's got a pre-order f- a feature now, which is really nice. Um, you know, when I launched yeah. Yogi, when I launched Yogi Surprise, I mean, uh, you know, we had a thousand customers our first month because of the sort of teaser pre-launch phase. And you know, during the teaser phase, when we were just collecting email leads as interest, um, that gave me the validation. 
um, that I needed to go out and build the rest of the pieces of the business. So that meant, you know, getting a fulfillment set up, set up, getting custom packaging, um, getting that process started, um, actually starting to build the website and sort of put all the pieces together. So, you know, there, there certainly is a great, um, way to validate these businesses and a path towards that. Um, you just have to be a little more creative about it. Okay. Um, I'm also interested to know if you if you have other people. Um, I'm assuming you have perhaps a small team uh, working with you uh, on your subscriptions, and and it, I'm interested to know like what what does a team look like, or or perhaps it's possible to to do this uh, completely solo. It it obviously looks very different to a small like software uh, development house. So mm-hmm. how how does that look? Yeah, um, Yogi Surprise is a ridiculously small team. Um, it's basically just me and my co-founder, mm. um, and I have customer service uh, outsourced. Um, actually, to my my uh, my sister-in-law, I, I pay her per solved ticket, um, which is a cool huh. a cool way to to, uh, to do customer service. Um, you know, and then we have a couple contractors here and there that do things for us. Um, you know, you know, obviously uh, engineering is is all. Um, totally with with freelancers we have sure. we have no need for a full time um, but yeah I mean we manage uh, you know a fairly decent sized subscription business on our own and and we like the way that it 's been built as sort of a lifestyle business and um, we 've gotten really good at just sort of sort of automating as much as we can and standardizing our sort of monthly workflow. I mean, we have everything in sort of a calendar and checklists and reminders. So um, okay. we've got it. We've we built it as a nice lifestyle business, whereas um, it's kind of how I like these businesses and I think that they should be. I, I don't think that these are meant to be $100 million venture-backed businesses. Mm. Um, but I think I think they make really great lifestyle businesses, and and once you get them dialed in the the logistics and the monthly sort of processes, um, they become really really sweet businesses. Mm. So I, actually, uh, related to that, I, I noticed on your website that you uh, you say something around basically the advice of not raising venture capital. So uh, most subscription business can thrive with extremely low overhead. Don't raise venture capital. Um, I was kind of interested by that. It, have you ever raised capital for for any of your businesses? Is this something that you've learned along the way, or have you just been able to to do it without? Yeah, I think most people that say don't raise venture capital have have done it and had a bad experience. So yeah, <laughs> um, my first my first business, Conscious Box, um, we you know we grew it to a few thousand subscribers on our own, being just the the couple co founders and. Um, we were seeing some, some success, and we we thought that the natural direction to go was to raise venture capital. So mm. we sort of we sort of built this whole story around like you know how this can be a hundred million dollar business. You know, tacking on sort of other other parts um, to growing the business model besides just the monthly box. And so we built this whole narrative um, and went out and I think we ended up raising maybe about three million dollars. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a long story, but you know at, at the end of the day now I'm I'm just not a fan of venture capital and you know I I see a, a totally different direction that business could have taken, mm. um, which would result in it actually still existing today, which it doesn't. Mm. Um, but uh, you know the the way that I built my next few businesses, um, you know, reflects how I feel like they should have been done. Yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, I'd love to just quickly go back to the the metrics stuff again because obviously. Uh, 
well, metrics is our thing <laughs> to begin with, but uh, I'm interested to know, like, you, you mentioned that you measure churn. Um, do, do you kind of break that down by any specific uh, dimensions or do you look at things like customer lifetime value? What, what are the really important um, kind of views of your, your data that you, you see? Yeah, I mean, look, the, mainly the... Uh, I don't really look at customer lifetime value. I mean, I get I get what I need from from uh, from churn. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know I know my cost of goods. I know what my margins are, and um, you know, I can sort of back into a, a lifetime value with with what my monthly churn is going to be. And then mm-hmm. I usually will I'll use that for for two things. I I use it to um, I, I use it to determine you know what I can spend on customer acquisition. Um, yeah, and. Um, you know how many how many months of sort of uh, you know profit I can spend on acquiring a new customer, mm-hmm. um, but really I use it I use it to I, I, I've 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 noticed that that churn very closely follows uh, it very closely follows the the product and how good it is that month and how much people like it um, okay. more than any other thing. Um, that that's the only thing that influences churn, <laughs> you know. I probably I think for other people, customer service is is really going to be a huge influencer on that number. But mm. you know, customer service from day one has always been a huge priority for us. It's been super dialed, and we go above and beyond. So mm. with our business, Yogi Surprise, um, the only thing that changes that churn number um, is going to be the product quality. Mm. And and you mean and, by that you mean effectively what's in the box right that is that is yeah. the product yeah that month's experience you know if if mm. if i did a bad job procuring product for that month or i slacked and wanted to you know keep a little extra money in my pocket and get greedy and and mm. leave product out of the box like that number is going to change um but um oh, that's interesting i i guess then uh things like a cohort analysis chart is is totally different to you because Every month, you effectively kind of have a, a, a different product in some ways, and looking at kind of churn trends across like kind of month by month, um, I guess if you see a spike in churn in, in a given month, that's that's more an indicator that you know what you shipped that month didn't really resonate with people or wasn't up to scratch. Whereas in a in a software business, it's it's more about like what was the experience at that point in time. You know what was the customer doing at, at month three that that kind of gave them a bad experience? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in each month, I c- I can look at it and know which you know which which product went out. Um, mm-hmm. every, everyone gets the exact same box. Um, there's no variation, um, which makes you know analyzing data a little bit easier. Um, you yeah. know the one the one thing that's 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 nice though is you know looking at looking at churn by by sort of customer acquisition channel you know if i yeah. do if i do something um a campaign to a you know a big uh, new audience that's maybe not quite on niche or if if i do like a really deep discount to a new audience that month um you know depending on the quality of that audience and how closely it um is tied to our niche um you know it can dramatically affect that number but you know for 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 our business churn has been very um, you know, our retention has been very, very consistent since since the beginning, and, and I know unless I do something dramatic with the product, um, it's it's really not going to change. Or you know, or if I do something that's unsustainable and you know not smart with customer acquisition, it will change. But um, yeah, but yeah. That makes sense. It's it's interesting, I think, to to compare these things. Um, so uh, I, I think you mentioned earlier. I was going to ask you whether you think there is like a, a 
a peak subscription box um, at some point that we may reach. Uh, do you, you said though that there's you think we're nowhere near saturation of of or, or definitely not in a bubble uh, in this space. How do you see the future panning out for for these types of products? Yeah, I mean, I I think in general this look. So a consumer subscription can have you know a, a ton of different models, and it, and it can apply to almost any niche, right? Mm. Um, I think my my gut thinks that we're just going to see more and more sort of makers and artisans um, and um, people with you know specific expertise um, creating subscription products that they're passionate about, that they're knowledgeable about, and and care about. You know, like my sister is a good example. She started a a specialty sprouted granola subscription. Um, nice. You know, it's it's something that, that she she handcrafts. She's super knowledgeable with with sprouting, and um, it's a specialty product that you can't get in stores and probably mm. can't find anywhere. And she's built up this great little loyal base of people who love to receive it on a recurring basis. So mm. I think I think we'll continue to see the model being applied um, in that fashion and. It, it, it makes such a great lifestyle business for for just everyday people who are you know either trying to you know quit their day jobs um, or just trying to monetize something that they're that they make or something that they're really good at creating. Um, and I, I think in that sense, it, it's um, it's it's a great business for for first time entrepreneurs, especially with all the tools that are available now that make it so much easier um, and. Mm. You know, best. You know, we started our first subscription um, in 2011. Like, we had no. We were creating best practices. We had no mm. idea. You know, the the correct way to run these businesses, and and you know, and all the information that's online from subscriptionschool.com to sort of my blog is from just years of you know wasting money and making bad decisions. So, yeah. um, if you're starting a subscription consumer subscription business now, there's there's no reason why you should get it wrong. Yeah. Makes sense. What what for somebody who's totally new to the game? What tools would you recommend? Um, I I definitely recommend uh, I definitely recommend in terms of yeah technology and applications. Mm. I, I I definitely recommend using an all in one um, uh, system like uh, like CrateJoy. Okay. If you do, if you don't do that, you. Um, if you don't do that, you'll have to put a bunch of pieces together, which can be hard, right? right? And use WordPress and sort of hack that together with another app. And um, but uh, you know, having a having a really good view of of the data su- surrounding your business and metrics from from day one is is really important. And understanding those things and just understanding basic concepts like retention and mm. um, how your product can influence that is really important. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah. Cool. That oh, makes sense. So I'm I'm completely sold on this uh, subscription box thing now. I <laughs> I'm I'm the kind of guy who I, I don't know why I tend to try and like cut down the number of like recurring subscriptions that I that I have. But um, do, <laughs> what would be your like? Are you a subscription consumer as well? Can you recommend me any subscription boxes that I should have in my life? So. Um, <laughs> So, so you can plug funny. yourself too. That's that's fine. Um, no, I've actually I've never subscribed to a subscription, um, oh, wow. uh, which okay. is which is kind of funny. And I think part of it's because um, 
I've been doing it for so long and sort of the, the magic isn't there, you know, like okay. you know, my, my, fir- we, my first business, like we were packing these boxes in our, in our house and, you know, we'd, we would do it in one apartment one month and then we do it in someone's garage and, and, you know, we were, we were, we weren't outsourcing fulfillment. We were doing it all by hand. So I, I think like the magic and sort of that, that experience that people love so much with these businesses just mm-hmm. wasn't there for me, except, um, there is a subscription, the first subscription I, I I really really wanted to subscribe to, which I'm which I'm still going to do. Um, uh, it's the it's the only one that I've like ever been interested in. Um, it's the uh, the Rob uh, Rob Vices it's subscription. It's like a okay. it's like a, a luxury um, subscription box where you get these like really really cool rare things each month. Huh. Um, it's a subscription box started by. The luxury uh, magazine media company, um, okay. the Rob Rob Report. Um, oh, okay, but Rob Rob Vices is what it's called. Rob it's uh, it's okay. really cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> There's also um, well, it's it's fairly uh, local, but if you're based in Berlin, you should definitely check out the. Uh, there's a beef jerky subscription here that's that's run by a guy that I that I met, and it's it's like the best beef jerky you'll find. It's really great. I should probably nice. be subscribed to that actually. Cool. Um, well, it's it's been really great to to talk to you, Jameson. I think there's there's a ton of stuff here that's um, not only actionable for people that are interested in uh, subscription boxes or, or perhaps starting their own, but I think it's really interesting to see the the contrast and and some of the similarities to like SaaS as well. Um, if people want to check out your writing, I know you're you're blogging uh, quite a bit and and. I read some really great stuff on your site. So what's the best place for people to go to, to read that stuff? Yeah, definitely check out my, uh, my blog, jamesonmorris.com. Jameson spelled like the whiskey, um, Morris, M O R R I S.com. Um, all I do on that blog is write about subscription box best practices. So, yeah, no, I saw, I saw some great things there when I had a look. So, uh, Cool. Awesome. Well, well, thanks so much for taking the time. It's, it's been really fun. And uh, yeah, have yeah, a great definitely. rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs>